And I just thought, I have to do something. What is the point of having these sites and their following and devoted readers if we can't talk to them about something that's this important? Hello and welcome to Beauty Island, the beauty podcast that celebrates life and lipstick. I am your host, beauty journalist Brittany Stewart, and each episode I sit down with a guest to ask them about the eight beauty products that have a special memory or meaning for them that they take to a desert island, aka beauty island, that I am sending them off to. Maybe it's the product that reminds them of their mum, the beauty product that define their teens, or the perfume that instantly sparks a memory of a special place or person. Along the way, we find out more about their life, career, and the people and events that have shaped them into who they are today. Today, my guest is beauty expert and co-founder of the Cool Time on Melanoma initiative, Lisa Patulny. Now a freelance beauty editor, content creator, and consultant, Lisa was the beauty editor at Shop Till You Drop, Famous Magazine, and Birdie Beauty, and went on to become senior editor of Birdie and My Domain Australia at Allure Media. We talk about what a career in beauty is really like, bouncing back from being made redundant, sunscreen and sun safety misconceptions she's busting as part of Cool Time on Melanoma and how the incredible initiative came about, the secrets behind her perfect beachy waves and the cheap exfoliating trick anyone with dry lips needs to know. Lisa is smart, passionate and on a side note has probably the best, most glowy skin I've ever seen in real life. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe, rate and review. Now over to Lisa. Enjoy. Lisa, welcome to Beauty Island. Thank you so much. The question that I always ask my guests first, can you remember your first beauty memory? Has beauty always been an interest or a passion of yours? It definitely has. I think my first beauty memories are quite silly. My mum had a Nutramedics clay mask that she kept in the bathroom and I don't know actually if she knew that I was doing this but every night I would open it, stick my fingers in it, mix it all around, just smear it on things. I mean I don't know how much of that mask I wasted but I did that a lot. I also pretended that I was a um, TVSN I mean, I don't even know if there was TVSN back then, but I used to talk to myself essentially and talk about products, which I had no idea what I was talking about, obviously. I mean, I'm, I'm talking, I was like 10. So I think I was probably saying things like, it smells like strawberries. You were the OG beauty YouTuber. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. But yeah. That sort of stuff. And then I also remember accidentally breaking one of my mum's blushes, which she did her very best not to go crazy on me over. But um, I still remember the look on her face. And now um, having dropped my own things on the ground, I can relate. So your mum had quite a beauty collection and was quite interested in beauty. You know what? She's quite simple and still is, but she just had her bits and pieces. So she always had a little lineup of perfumes. So I used to like to go in there and smell those when she wasn't around. And then she always did like a foundation and a mascara and a blush and maybe a lipstick, but that was pretty much 
the extent of it. I think my main memories of her with beauty were watching her put moisturizer on. She was all about the moisturizer um, and not only like down the neck and chest, always onto the arms and elbows, which is a like a habit that I've <laughs> kind of adopted, like not really realizing that no one else does that. I mean, do people do that? I don't know. It's a good one to have nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. And what were you like as a child? I grew up in Sydney. Um, I grew up in Earlwood, which is sort of inner west, I suppose. I was like super into reading, loved learning. Um, I did dancing. I have a little sister, so we spent a lot of time together. Did you dance for a long time? I always think it's interesting, particularly people who do dance. That's quite an early introduction into mm. makeup in terms of performances and on stage and things like that. Oh, God, yes. I haven't even thought about this, but you are correct. I did dancing for 15 years. It was a lot of look. It was our dancing school's look was blue and purple eyeshadow, black eyeliner in the eyebrows, like 80s stripes of blush and red lipstick. Do you still have those photos? <laughs> I'm imagining, are they, are they proudly on display or are they tucked away Unfortunately, I do still have them. My mum used to show them to my boyfriends. So I don't know if she was doing that because she genuinely thought that it was cute or if she was just trying to embarrass me. And did you know what you wanted to be from an early age or is that something you found later at university or? I always knew that I wanted to work in magazines. I was really set on it from an early age. I was obsessed with magazines. So I used to say that there is no plan B and I was doing that come hell or high water. So I don't think I really knew that beauty would be my thing, even though it was an interest until I really got there. I think, I mean, look, things have changed now. Obviously the industry is totally different, but I think enjoying a certain section of a magazine or whether it's beauty or fashion or um, features is totally different to actually working within that department when you get there I think even now magazines can seem quite glamorous and obviously they are but there is so much hard work that goes on behind the scenes so yeah I think I got teed up with um, someone who's still a bit of a mentor to me and she kind of took me under her wing and that was it I think the second I got into that beauty cupboard and sort of saw all of the magic that goes into that section of the magazine I just thought well this makes sense the second product on your list is the first product that you remember owning which I think a lot of people will also have had these in their pockets and bags at times which are the Lancome Juicy Tubes yes tell me about that I think I just remember it was in every magazine ever and it was the gloss to have and it was quite fancy it was probably like $50 or something then I don't even know what they are now (laughs) but I was so set on having this thing so I saved up all my McDonald's money and bought it and I just think maybe that was my first experience of understanding what a beauty product can do for you in terms of the way that it makes you feel not even so much I mean yeah great it was gloss it looked good I thought at the time <laughs> anyway but I felt quite refined which is a bit hilarious in hindsight but I think I just felt quite fancy owning it yeah don't even know I ended up buying many more but yeah that was definitely the first thing that I really really was intent on owning 
And in terms of your first foot in the door in the industry in your media career, was that at shop till you dropped? Was that your first or that was your first full-time position? Yes. So my sort of story is I started interning at shop till you drop. This is probably over 10 years ago. Um, actually, I think it wasn't long after the GFC had happened, not to date myself, but um, I remember that because lots of people said to me, you're crazy, they've made layoffs, no one's going to hire you basically. But as I said before, I was probably stubborn to a fault that this was going to be my life and I was going to make it happen. So I started interning with Amy Starr at shop to you drop who I adore to this day um, and she taught me lots and lots of things and really helped shape basically the start of my career so I worked there for 18 months until I got a role they made a role for me so um, I forced my way in is what I'm saying <laughs> and you mentioned earlier that obviously you can be a, a ferocious reader of a magazine and love it but actually working there is a very different can be very different yes what was that like for you because you you literally went from that to that what was that experience like was Um, there anything that really surprised you I think the second I got there I was just obsessed with the entire experience I was so happy to be there uh like happy to get coffees happy to do photocopying anything I just was so excited to be there and to be even the tiniest part of what was going on so I think um, even though I could see obviously it was a massive amount of work for everyone who's involved and obviously at that point I didn't even understand the extent of it it was just the most exciting thing and I at that point I actually had three jobs part-time jobs that I was juggling and I was going to uni full-time but I was there every second that I could be there. It's the only place that I wanted to be basically. So um, I didn't find it difficult in that sense because I just really wanted to be there. You, you went in there, you're obviously impressed beyond everything because you ended up being the beauty editor at Shop Till You Drop as well. How did it feel getting um, that position? It felt, I mean, it felt great. I was, that title I think was something that I had thought about for quite some time and just you know, when you sit down and try and think about your career and where you want to be and how you're going to get there, that was definitely like a big marker for me. So I was really happy to be there. Shop was my favorite magazine. So it was personally gratifying for sure. And I just really enjoyed the work. So yeah, it was a great place to be. And I think for people who don't work in the industry, the idea of what you imagine a beauty editor to do is probably just just playing with makeup products all day just put maybe on doing a bit of writing yes yeah. yeah but what what is the reality actually like because I imagine there's well I know that there is a lot more to it than that okay well there are lipsticks but that is a very small part of it I mean I'm not gonna try and say that parts of it aren't quite fab and glamorous because there are perks for sure but um it is a lot of hard work I think beauty is something that maybe not everyone can do so well I'm probably going to get myself into trouble for saying that but I think it can be very airy fairy sure but there is a lot of science and research that goes into skincare and things like that so there is a lot to understand and there are 
lots of experts involved, like especially on the skincare side of things. So there definitely are the fun parts. There's the events. You receive product every day, which can kind of turn your head a little bit. I think especially in the early days, it might be easy to forget that the product comes into the title, not to you personally. So they are tools of a job for sure. And yeah, there's, I mean, we worked really long hours and it was a really, really great team to be a part of. There was a very good culture in terms of people helping each other and trying to go the extra mile all the time. But, you know, it wears on you. Long hours wear on you and trying to always present your best I think there's a very big responsibility, well I certainly felt it then, to know that all of these people are going out and paying money to read words that you've written so it better be good and it better be correct and it better be meaningful on some level and useful to them. So yeah, look, there are lots of lipsticks but there is definitely more to it than that. The third product on your list is the product that defined your teens or 20s and you've got two for this which is the batiste dry shampoo and a texturizing spray yes i actually forgot that i wrote this but um (laughs) yeah i was discovered at some point beachy waves and then that became my thing and then i think i probably got two compliments about my hair and that just cemented the fact that I was going to have it the same way all the time. I got really into balayage, which I still have, but I was kind of probably a bit more two-tone then. I can't even tell you how many cans of dry shampoo I was going through, probably one a week. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I would wash my hair and put it straight in, which that's not a bad beauty tip. I still kind of do that, but just I have quite thin hair, so I became obsessed with using these products to give myself a little bit of volume and I think uh, volumizing dust when I discovered that that was a game changer for me but yes I did wear my hair probably exactly the same way for years and years and years and I have to say you've got your hair gorgeously like slicked back today but you kind of scroll through your Instagram you look at your photos you've got and you have great hair in every single photo Thank you. so it was obviously a justified love for your beach waves they That's work very for you. nice <laughs> The thing with working in beauty is obviously you're interviewing lots of people to do with the brands, experts, and also a lot of celebrity Mm -hmm. interviews through beauty. Is there anyone that you've interviewed that stands out as a particular favorite? Oh, this is hard. There are loads and loads of people that have been great to interview. I would say I interviewed Rosie Huntington-Whiteley when she was a face for Model Co. And the next year I saw her again at an event and she remembered who I was which blew my mind because why would she remember who I am but that was nice she was very kind and gracious I will say most people that I've interviewed have been lovely so that makes the job a bit easier but yeah she's been good I always love interviewing Anthony Nader because he's hilarious and has such a way with words and then I always learn something when I speak to Melanie Grant or Jocelyn Petroni there's lots lots and lots of people become your go-tos because they are so great and you know you can rely on them to explain things to you in a way that the average Jane can understand and whether it's an interview or obviously the lots of opportunities that come with the role of beauty editor whether that's a trip or Mm -hmm. an event has there been in your career any real pitch me moments where you've been kind of just 
unbelievable that you're there. There have been some really nice trips. When I was quite junior, I went on a famil to Europe for 16 days. And I remember when my editor at the time, Justine Cullen, called me into her office to let me know that they were going to send me to Europe. I was a bit like, is this real? That was quite amazing. I don't even think at that point I had ever been to Europe. So that was mind blowing for me. But yeah, certainly there have been others. I think every time you get sent somewhere that's beautiful and luxury, you sort of think this is incredible. It's not lost on me even now. And I think, yeah, we sort of developed this thing of saying this is a restaurant that I've been to in my beauty life, my work life. And this is a restaurant that I've been to in my own life because sometimes we'd be going to lunches. There've been so many and I totally know that I sound like a spoiled brat right now, but there have been many And I know that I couldn't afford to eat at some of those restaurants on my own dime. So thank you, beauty (laughs) PRs and media of Australia. After Shop Till You Drop, you went on to Famous and then to Allure Media with Birdie Beauty. Yes. And then kind of looking over all the the brands at Allure Media. So you've you've worked on monthlies, weeklies and then digital. What's kind of your favourite? I don't even know if I can pick a favourite because when I worked, when I started working in magazines, I actually had an interview process that I engaged in and then ultimately I took myself out of the running for this role, which was a digital role in a company which is super successful now. But when I look back on it, I don't regret that because I wasn't done with magazines. In fact, I hadn't even started. It was before I had my first full-time job. And I think what I learned under Amy Starr, who I mentioned earlier, and other amazing women that I've worked with, like Alexis Teasdale and Katrina Lawrence, just in terms of styling and shooting, I know that I probably would have never had those experiences if I started off in digital. So I'm very thankful for that and shooting is something that I find really enjoyable and am passionate about. So I'm glad that I had that experience. Now that I'm freelance, I do sort of a bit of a mix. Digital is amazing because there are analytics that can tell you what people like to read, how the content that you've created is performing, how people are engaging with it. It's immediate, that's amazing. But there is something special about a beautifully crafted magazine story that's been touched by so many different hands um, and is probably more of a polished product in most cases. The fourth product on your list is the perfume you wore on your wedding day. So can you tell me what it is and the story behind it? Yes. Okay. So let me just start with a disclaimer. Uh, This is such a bougie behavior and I completely acknowledge that. But I have this thing about artificially manufacturing scent memories. So you probably know that there's a part of your brain that links smell with memories. And I guess I sort of decided to biohack myself by tapping into that and choosing a different fragrance for every year of my life. Even as I say it, I know what it sounds like. No, I think a lot of people do that. (laughs) I love it. Do they? I think it, I think, yeah, look, I know that a perfume is expensive, so it's not something that, um, 
most people are probably doing but I do like to choose fragrances for different holidays and very special events so I chose Byredo's Rose of No Man's Land for my wedding day which I got married in winter and the florals were quite dark and moody and we had diptyque rose candles burning in the reception area so it was very rose oriented and that fragrance the Byredo fragrance is kind of like a spicy delicious rose scent and that now I like to wear on special date nights because it does take me right back there to that morning of getting ready and the feeling of knowing that I was about to go and walk down the aisle to meet my husband and now I'm imagining your fragrance collection is quite large given that if you're picking one for every year but I'm I'm curious about will you hold on to those fragrances to remind you or are you also still wearing them kind of on different days or are they kind of collectors things for you I mix and match so I actually probably don't have as many as you might think because I did have a a bit of a Marie Kondo and got in there and got rid of some so there are perfumes that I even can think of now like there was a costume national so nude fragrance that I wore for quite a long time and I had to retire that at some point even though it wasn't that I didn't love it anymore I just felt that I had moved on and realistically how many perfumes can you actually wear so I've edited down my collection a little bit but I do wear different scents depending on how I feel I sort of think of it as an accessory so you wouldn't wear the same necklace or lipstick even handbag that you do for all occasions so I might have a couple that I would wear to something more special the Byredo one I reserve for date nights only but yeah I go through stages I went through a bit of a love affair with Lalabo. I know Santal 33 was flavor of the month for a good while there. Uh, then they released one, I think you say it, Te Noir. It's based on black tea and it is lush. It's one of those ones that whenever you wear it, someone will grab you, maybe just walking down the street to ask you what it is. It's very strong, but it's gorgeous. And then last year, I went to a launch for Sarah and Sebastian of two fragrances that they released one's called Olympia and it's fig and that is heaven I'm wearing that today so I've gone through almost the whole bottle (laughs) so I might need to look into topping that up soon but yeah I mix and match I have lots of I have some that I would never wear in summer because they're too heavy and then you know conversely some that I wouldn't wear in some that I some summer ones that I wouldn't wear in winter because they just feel wrong like wearing something coconutty that kind of smells like suntan lotion would maybe feel a bit weird when you're all rugged up. But yeah, I kind of try not to look for new perfumes now because I think I'm, I verge on hoarder mentality. <laughs> so the Marie Kondo situation was a struggle for me, but yeah, I, now I just try and do out of sight, out of mind. Like don't go into that section of Mecca. We were talking earlier about what a beauty editor does and I think one important thing that a lot of people might not realize is just how much of the business and commercial side comes into that position it used to be said a lot that beauty editors made great magazine editors and I think that's because you come to have a really good understanding of the commercial side of 
the business. You represent the magazine a lot and this has translated to digital too but beauty companies advertise as do fashion companies but there are lots of beauty companies that have money that want to get their products out there so you do do a lot of um, meeting with brands and clients and talking to PRs and brand managers and that sort of thing and I think you sort of get a more holistic understanding of the business which is maybe something that people wouldn't immediately associate with a beauty editor I have heard mostly in my career that people think it's a bit of a silly job which I mean compared to being a brain surgeon of some or something like that it is but (laughs) so are lots of jobs it definitely gives you a good commercial understanding and that's something that stood me in good stead when I moved over to Allure and um, started on as the senior brand manager of the who what where suite of sites and pop sugar as well you mentioned your husband earlier and firstly I just wanted to say it was obviously kind of scrolling through your Instagram just in preparation for this interview you had the best wedding hashtag I've ever seen (laughs) thank you my husband's surname is Booty it's B-U-T-T-I he's Italian so they don't pronounce it like that but yeah there was really no other way that our hashtag was going to be anything else so we should probably say what it was as well yes so our hashtag our wedding hashtag was booty call which I don't even know who came up with that. I Maybe it was me, I'm not sure. But I was a bit nervous about it before we told our parents because my husband and I met on Tinder. So obviously that has some connotations to it too. And I thought, oh God, what are they going to think if I tell them we're making our wedding hashtag booty call? <laughs> but no, it was great and it couldn't have been anything else. And then really the best thing is that no one else has ever used it because Ken's surname is a, a shortening of a longer surname that his dad did when he moved to Australia. So I don't even know if there is another family with this surname. They've kind of made it up. So yeah, it's just perfect. I just I just had to flag that Thank because I, I feel like that needed air deserved, time. Yeah, deserved air time. And obviously, uh, I think it was in 2016, 2017, you had baby Elvis, which yes. again, fantastic name. And he is just gorgeous. Thank you. He is the light of our lives. He's a very funny little character. So he's almost 16 months now and... I know lots of people say this, but I honestly just don't remember what life was like before he was around. I also said that after we got our dog, Hugo. (laughs) I couldn't remember what life was like before Hugo was around, but um, yeah, he's a cherub. It's kind of a silly question to ask, given just how much your life does change when you become a mum, but has it kind of changed your life or your attitude to work or anything in in unexpected ways that you weren't anticipating? Um, I think I went into having a baby with zero expectations because I didn't want to put parameters around it and then struggle with those parameters that really I had placed on myself. So I sort of was going with let's wait and see I think that's good advice for anyone else who's going through it because everybody has a completely different experience I only have one child but I also hear it changes from one to the next 
So I think I knew that I was never going to be the kind of mum who chose to stop working or I mean poor choice of words was fortunate enough to make that choice Um, just because I love the work that I do and um, I mean we also can't afford for me to not have a job so there's that but um, even in terms of taking as long an amount of leave as I did I completely understand that that's not the case for everyone I took almost a year which was amazing. Um, I think in general, becoming a mum has just made me really stick to my guns where my priorities are concerned. And I also had to put hard stops on finish times for things. I'm really, really bad at this because I will be the person, and I've actually done it recently, who will not go to sleep and just stay awake to finish a project. Um, I also have a hard time saying no, so I say yes to lots of things, so I'm definitely a work in progress, but I think having Elvis just raises the stakes a little bit because it's no longer taking time away from just myself or from myself or my husband. It affects a little person who wants to spend time with me and who I also want to spend time with, so... Yeah, I would say that that's been the main change, but I think it's also, it does something to your brain. Baby brain is 100% a real (laughs) phenomenon, if you ask me. But um, the flip side of that is you somehow just manage to fit in all of these things that you maybe previously would never be able to do. I don't know. It just makes you have to do it because you've got a hard stop at five when you're leaving work, 5.36, whatever it is. So you've just got to get it done. And that's probably been something that I need because I can fluff around with things and procrastinate. So when I feel myself wanting to slide back into that thing of like, oh, see what's on Netflix. Maybe I'll make a cup of tea. Should I go check the post? I'm like, no, we've got to do this. So then you just buckle yourself in and get it done. And one of the other things you mentioned in terms of beauty products that give you a confidence boost, how kind of that, what that product is has changed over time as well. Yes. So you're saying it used to be like a red lipstick is a popular one, bronzer or whatever. And now it's kind of gone back to bases. You said a a glowy base. Yes. So I definitely went through a bunch of moments. I worked in a shop where the clothes were quite vintage inspired so I spent a good two years wearing red lipstick every single day that I went to work which is so weird to me now I mean it was great I enjoyed it but I think for people who know me maybe to hear that might be a bit surprised and I also wore winged liner every day I really put a lot of effort into that and then I did I went on to a bright lip I became obsessed with Max Morange lipstick so that had a good run and then I discovered dark lipstick and bronzer and that was a thing for a minute which is kind of still also a thing when I actually have cause to put on dark lipstick and bronzer but these days I think I am more I feel confident when my skin looks good so it's more not that I've I've never been massive on foundation and 
contouring and I still don't wear concealer under my eyes. I am fully aware that I have bags under my eyes and I'm caught with that because it's my face and this is what a face looks like. So I'm definitely not into the whole Instagram perfection makeup now or have ever been. But I think as I've gotten older, I've just maybe put more stock in my skincare. And then I suppose as a result of that, I'm pretty much just after a base that sort of light hides what I want it to hide, but still looks like skin isn't going to ball up on my face and just kind of gives me a bit more life when I've only been in bed for three minutes, it feels like. Speaking of your time at Allure, at the end of last year with the merger between Nine and Fairfax, obviously things changed dramatically for the company and it's something that we're seeing a lot in the, unfortunately a lot in the industry. What was that experience like? I can imagine it must have been unexpected and and just downright horrible, to be honest. It was unexpected. I think whenever a merger happens, you'd be maybe a bit silly not to think that that chance is there. But I think it all happened quite fast. Um, And I'll speak for myself alone. I certainly wasn't expecting it to happen before the end of the year. So I've never been made redundant before. It was a bit of a new experience for me. I would have to say it was probably my time because when I worked at Shop 2 Drop, two weeks after I moved on to Famous, the entire team got made redundant. Then after I left Famous, I'm not sure the timeline there, but it was maybe a year later that magazine also folded, which is really sad that this is just the way it is in our industry at the moment. I think I probably felt a little bit safer in digital and Allure was an incredible company to work for. I worked with some amazing women and to be able to launch those sites together was a career highlight for me. I loved our little team. So even though some of those women had already moved on, I think Birdie in particular felt like mine a little bit, even though obviously it wasn't. Just, you know, when you put so much of your heart and soul in something, you do take pride in it. And it was such a beautiful brand to work on. So definitely sad to be moving on. But I think, you know, you just have to proceed with positivity because really there's no other way to deal with it. And I think it's interesting as well, like you said, we've kind of been seeing this with print magazines for a while, but it's kind of in the last few months we're seeing a lot more with digital, which like you said is is scary because having worked in digital myself, you almost feel like you're a bit more sheltered from it than that. So it's certainly a changing time yes. in the industry. But do you still feel positive about about the industry in general, that things are changing, but there's still still stuff to do? I don't know. I do feel positive about the industry in general. I think there will always be a place for talented people. I think to my mind, it's maybe just about recognizing your skill set and your strengths and maybe having a little bit of a think about how you can take those sideways, if not forward in something that you thought you were going to do. Um, it is definitely hard. I'm not going to pretend it wasn't, didn't shake me up a bit. I think when you just sort of plan ahead, you know, I'm going to do this and this is my five year plan. And maybe I'd like to be here in two years and I like, you know, whatever it is for you, 
when something takes you off that track, you sort of wig out for a minute, trying to find your footing again. But um, lucky for me, I have lots of amazing friends in the industry and so many people reached out to me to ask me firstly if I was okay and secondly with offers of work, which is very kind and I'm grateful for that. But I think there's probably an element of, you know, I'm definitely not going to forecast the future of the industry magazine digital anything because I'm not the person to do that but um, I really hope that we keep building bigger and better things in Australia because there are lots and lots of amazing people out there who are very talented have interesting and additive things to say and then there are people with incredible skills for styling and shooting and that to me has always been something that I think needs to be represented in the digital space more. Um, so I hope that we keep moving towards a world where that will continue to happen. And speaking of bigger and better things, mm. I have <laughs> lots of questions about a campaign that you launched at the end of last year with Call Time or Melanoma. But first, I want to talk to you about the sixth product in your list, which leads us nicely in, which is the product you would trust with your life, which is sunscreen. So before we talk more about generally about sun safety, what's the specific sunscreen that you love? I love a couple. Um, I have very high standards for my sunscreen. Ultraceuticals is a brand that I should be on the payroll for because the amount of people that I have told about their products, not because hashtag sponsored, because I genuinely think that they're great. They have a range of different sunscreens, some are mattifying, some hydrating, and I've liked everyone that I've ever tried from them, and that is saying something. Um, Dermalogica also make an age smart sunscreen, which I can never remember the proper name for it. It is amazing. I use it every single morning and when I have a bottle, I'm, that's the one that I go to. Um, that's amazing. I also think Neutrogena do great sunscreens, um, at a more accessible price. I think we'll talk about it in a minute, but a lot of people say that they don't wear sunscreen because they don't like the feel of the product, which I understand. Neutrogena is a company that's creating to address those specific problems. And I think that that is amazing for the price point and availability of their products. So so Neutrogena has a new sunscreen, which is part of their Hydro Boost Water range it's spf 50 which is amazing um it has hyaluronic acid in it which is great for hydrating your skin and i think mm, sunscreen with skincare benefits great For anyone who doesn't, who hasn't heard of Cool Time on Melanoma, can you give me a bit of background of, of how it started and what exactly it's about? Sure can. When I was at Birdie, one of our interns, her name's Natalie, who we knew at the time, at the time that I met her, I knew that she had 
been diagnosed with melanoma before, but I didn't know all of the ins and outs of her story then. She had been away for a little while while I was on maternity leave. And when I came back, we caught up at an event and she told me that she'd been diagnosed again and that this time it was stage four, which means it was in her organs, her lungs. So that was really upsetting, obviously. I remember her telling me and in my head I was saying, don't you dare start crying because she was so strong and holding it together and that is how she is. She's incredibly brave. So she told me all of that and I just thought, I have to do something. What is the point of having these sites and their following and devoted readers if we can't talk to them about something that's this important? So um, the executive editor, Amanda, and I talked about it and we decided that we're going to go ahead with this initiative called Time on Melanoma. I should mention my friend Laura Collins here because she's the one that came up with the name and she's been name checked nowhere else. So there you go, Laura. Yes. So we decided that we we're going to do this and I pulled in a million favors from people to create the shoot and help create the content. Um, lots of people willing to support such a worthy cause. So we created content essentially around sun safety, the realities of skin, skin cancer and melanoma specifically, and myth busting around sunscreen, sort of trying to touch on lots of different aspects to the bigger piece. And it was amazing, the reception that we had. I was not prepared for it to be accepted and so fully supported by so many people, which I mean, it was a very emotional couple of weeks for me. I think I'm getting teary now, even thinking about it, but doing the the interview with Natalie, which the idea behind that was really that I wanted to give her a platform to share her story because it's something that she's really passionate about. So we did that and she shared some extremely personal information and a lot of information that I don't believe is out there, at least not widely. She talked about how living with cancer has affected her relationships and her sex life, her friendships, her relationship with her parents, all sorts of things, how she feels about her body, all very, very important things. And I don't think we talk about them enough. So that was incredible to put that out there. And as I said, just so many people, the feedback was immense. And I'm really, really happy that that happened because when when it did, we just thought, well, this <laughs> doesn't end here. So I took it off site and now we have our little Instagram which is growing and lots of people sliding into my DMs every single day, talking to me about their personal stories, thanking us for the work that we're doing and for talking about lots of different aspects, the culture of tanning, the fact that sun safety definitely needs a makeover because no one seems to think that it's really that important. You know, I do get that question a lot. You know, is it really that bad if I don't wear sunscreen every day? I would just like to take this moment to formally say, yes, it is that bad. So yeah, it's been amazing and we're just starting out. So there's a website coming soon. Watch this space. 
yeah, we'll obviously put links to the Instagram and, and the website when it's up in the show notes. And I think it's what you were saying before. People think working in beauty, writing about beauty is this superficial, just about aesthetics, but you just have to see the reception. I mean, the number of people that are tagging call time or melanoma saying it's spurred me on to get a skin check and all yeah. this. I mean, like you said, the response has just been incredible. Yes, that is my most favorite thing is people sending us messages to say, I went and got a skin check. I haven't had one ever. I haven't had one in 10 years. My partner works outside. I've booked him a skin check, so he has to go. I mean, Core Time on Melanoma is really speaking to young Australian women, but that doesn't mean that we're not also speaking to everyone. I think there's definitely the things that I touched on before, the culture of tanning and the sexiness of a tan and people not wanting to wear sunscreen because it doesn't sit well under their makeup, all those sorts of things that are really specific to young women. And melanoma is an issue for young people in this country. So yeah, we definitely are speaking to young women, but we're also speaking to everyone. So when I hear people give us that feedback it makes me really happy to know that people are putting their health first and really doing the most important kind of self-care which is looking after your own body and I think it's interesting as well you talked about obviously in, in the content you were talking to experts busting myths and misconceptions about sunscreen and sun safety what are some of the ones that really stood out to you in terms of whether it's a stat or a fact that people really have wrong I think the moment has come for me to share my beef with companies who make tanning oils with SPF. That is something that really upsets me because I think it's really irresponsible for them to be marketing a product that encourages tanning when we know that UV is a carcinogen. And a lot of these companies also market these products towards people who use solariums. So something that I didn't even know before we started this, uh, solariums are banned for commercial use in Australia, but uh, that doesn't mean that people can't buy them for personal use. And apparently there is quite a black market of people who own solariums and operate them out of their homes. I think I have heard quite a few people say, you know, solariums are healthy because they're not the sun. And it's like, no, guys, they're absolutely not healthy. They, In fact, they can be worse. I read a stat that said something like the UV that comes out of a solarium is up to as much as six times the strength of the midday sun. That is terrifying to put your body under that with no protection at all. Yeah, I that's definitely one is the solarium piece and whether tanning it can be done safely which it can't we know that it can't so I think it's just time to stop spreading misinformation because people genuinely are confused and that is where I want us to step in um, and clear up the information and obviously I'm not a dermatologist I'm not a skin cancer expert I don't claim to be where I come in is contacting those people and being able to use my training as a journalist to find answers to these questions for people. So yes, we know we all know the saying tanning is skin cells in trauma. I think there is definitely a lot of misunderstanding about what happens when you tan and people think that, oh, but I didn't get burnt. Like that's not, doesn't need to reach that point. And then Natalie would tell you too, which we've discussed quite a bit, a lot of people think of melanoma only as a sun 
related cancer and it's not. So her melanoma, in fact, was not brought on by the sun. And even though 95% of melanomas are caused by um, overexposure to UV radiation, 5% are not. So what we like to talk about there is being aware of your own body. And Natalie's story is a great example of that. She woke up with bruises all over her legs and that was one sign that she had that something was amiss. She also had changes in her mole, which I think most of us know is a sign that you need to go and have that checked immediately. But she would also tell you, you don't even need a mole to get melanoma. That's something I didn't even know. So there is definitely a lot of education to be done. There's a lot of misinformation. There's genuine confusion. So we wanna try and help clear some of that up. Such a fantastic initiative and like you said, watch the space. I can't wait to see all the things you're going to do with it. And it's such an important message. So follow right now. I mean, listen to the end of the podcast and then, then follow. <laughs> the, we're getting to the final few products on your list. And the seventh group of products, I'll call them, are the ones that you you define as your kind of greatest discoveries. So we've got the sunscreen that you mentioned earlier from Dermalogica, a serum from Ultraceuticals, and Lanolips, which is such a popular product on Beauty Island. So I think that speaks for how great it is that so many people love it. So what about those products? Why do you love them so much? Well, the Dermalogica sunscreen we've kind of already covered. It's the Age Smart one and it is amazing. I've suggested it to a few people and I've never had anything, but it's a 100% strike rate. So not (laughs) I can't really tell you that everyone is going to love it, but everyone that I've Uh, mentioned it too certainly has Um, it's just really light it feels like skincare it doesn't smell like sunscreen Uh, it has lots of good stuff in it so it's not just protecting you from the sun um, which I can appreciate in my 30s the serum from ultraceuticals is even skin tone serum which is one of those things that if they ever stopped making it, I would write letters because it's that good. It's vitamin C and lots of other things. It's got salicylic acid in it. I've used it for so many years. I started on the mild. So there are three levels. I started on the mild, went through to the regular serum. And then I've also used, I think they call it the concentrate. It's the most concentrated one. And whenever I get compliments on my skin, it's pretty much because I'm using that it just keeps everything clear. It stops congestion from happening, um, which is awesome. And Lano Lips is just it. It is everything. As a mum, like it came in handy in quite a few ways. I used it on my nipples. I can't believe I just said that on a podcast, <laughs> but lots of people do. And it was recommended to me before I mean, there are lanolin products out there that are specifically for that, like nipple ointments or whatever they are called. But lanolips, I mean, it's the all-rounder. It does everything. I've used it on Elvis too. That's my son. I don't know if I said his name earlier. I've used it on Elvis too, on little dry patches and things like that. It just works. Has there been, you've kind of mentioned a few names throughout the um, throughout our conversation but has there been anyone in particular who you feel has really shaped you either personally or professionally there have been a lot and I don't even think I could mention them all in this podcast but certainly Amy Starr who I mentioned earlier is a 
dear friend to me and she still helps me with everything that I need help with. Alison Rice, I worked with at Allure, I know has been on this podcast, um, is an incredible woman. I don't even need to tell you all the great things about her because I, whenever someone talks to me about Alison, they say exactly the same thing, that she's um, very generous with her time and just a caring person, which is probably the greatest compliment that you can give someone. In my own personal life, I'd probably say the most important people to me were both my grandfathers, who are not with us anymore, but I think of them all the time. They they taught me a lot of lessons that I carry with me still 10, 15 years later after they've passed. And one of those has been to try and be in the moment and to be grateful. So I have the word cherish tattooed on my body. I see it every day. And that's something that reminds me of my grandfather. The final product on your list are the products that you always repurchase. And I think this always speaks really highly when it comes from someone with a beauty background and beauty editor roles like you. So you have um, a few that you always repurchase. Latin lips, which we've, we've spoken about. The Bioderma Micellar Water and Olaplex. So what is it about those two products that always has you going back? Well, yes, we've covered the Lano. Um, Olaplex is just makes the world of difference for a blonde. So I think when I think about it, the products that I repurchase are not ever fun. They're the ones that just do the job that you can rely on. Olaplex will always fix my hair if it's really fried. I'm really naughty and I don't follow beauty editor advice to have your hair cut every six weeks. I just don't and I never have. So rebel. I think that's reassuring to hear. (laughs) Um, But that helps. Olaplex, um, you can't heal hair because it's not alive but it makes it feel healthier and look healthier and that's really what you want the bioderma micellar water i don't even think i need to say that much about it because every makeup artist ever loves it you see it everywhere every fashion week i've ever been to it's in everyone's kits every shoot it's everywhere Um, I have tried other ones and that's not to say that there aren't other spectacular micellar waters out there, but this one I know won't sting my eyes. It's fairly affordable. Now it's in Priceline. Don't even have to go to Paris to get it anymore, guys. And I just, yeah, that's my version of a face wipe. You know, people keep face wipes next to the bed to wipe off your makeup if you just can't make it to the sink. That's, I have cotton pads and bioderma. What is your proudest achievement? And that can be career-wise or or otherwise. My proudest achievement, I don't even have to think about this, is uh, raising my son with my husband because he is just the light of our lives. I think, you know, I want to choose my words carefully because I know not everyone can have children or wants to have them. So I definitely don't want to make it sound like my life was garbage before I had a child. It certainly wasn't. I just love and adore him. And it is a very special thing to rediscover even the most mundane of things through the eyes of a child. Every time he does anything remotely clever for a 15 month old, 16 month olds, it makes me really proud that I have anything to do with developing this divine human being. And what are you most looking forward to for 2019? What does this year have in store? What do you hope it has in store for you? 
I think for 2019, I'm looking forward to spending time with my family. I have really big plans for call time on melanoma. Natalie and I are having lots of chats about that. And yeah, for the rest of my career, I'm actually not even exactly sure. I can't imagine what the end of the year will bring, I suppose. So I'm just going in, eyes eyes open, heart full, ready for anything, I guess. Amazing. Of all the products that we've spoken about today so far, if you could pick just one to take with you to Beauty Island, and I'm already giving you all the sunscreen, it would be remiss of me not to give you all the sunscreen (laughs) given what we've spoken about today, but I do it anyway. All the sunscreen that you need. So if you could pick one product to keep you company, to remind you of whatever it reminds you of on the island, which one would you pick? This is an impossible decision. I think I'm taking this too seriously because I'm literally thinking about what I would have to do if I went to live on an island survivor style. I think I would have to take the the Ultraceuticals Even Skin Tone Serum because it takes my skin to a much better place. And I think if I wasn't going to be wearing makeup on this island, I would really need that. And just to finish it off, just got a few quick fire rounds in terms of products that you love and use in your makeup bag now you mentioned that you weren't really a uh, foundation person but when you do have to or choose to wear what's your go-to at the moment i'm using the beauty blender bounce foundation which i am really enjoying but because i am a beauty editor who can't do anything simply i mix it with Laura Mercier's Radiant Tinted Moisturizer, which is no longer available in Australia, sad face. But yeah, that's what I'm using at the moment. Favorite mascara? Don't have one, but basically anything that is cheap and has a small brush because I have small eyes and tiny eyelashes. Oh, we've kind of covered favorite skincare product. If you had to pick one, would it probably be the Ultraceuticals as well? Yes. I also have an eye cream that I'm very partial to at the moment, which is big for me because I've never liked an eye cream in my life. It's called Beauté Pacific and a facialist put me onto it. It's called Puffy Eyes Puffy Eyes Gel and it is now very important to me. Favorite lip product? I love Tom Ford lipsticks, which they're very expensive, but they're worth every cent. Do you have a particular shade that you like? I don't really. I'm very all over the place with my lipstick colors. I actually, they, I do have one from Tom Ford. It's a nude, but the sticker came off. So I can't even tell you what the shade is. Sorry, everyone. No, it's a sign of a well-loved lipstick though. Yes. <laughs> And um, finally, your favorite makeup hack or trick. Okay. I share this one all the time because a lot of people give the advice to get the dry flakes off your lips by sort of exfoliating them with a toothbrush. I have the driest lips known to man. I did a course of Aracutane when I was 19 and they've never recovered. So I think I know a lot about lip balms for dry lips. That toothbrush trick has never worked for me a day in my life. So I like to use a face wipe, just something gentle to make circles. You basically just swipe it around in little circles and it brings off all of the flaky bits without basically ripping your lips apart. That is my best trick. An excellent one. Lisa, thank you so much. It's been so lovely to talk to you and enjoy Beauty Island. You've got some time and space to just relax. Thank you.
for listening to this episode of Beauty Island. If you like the sound of any products Lisa talked about today, you can find all the details in the show notes of this episode, as well as where you can find more about Call Time on Melanoma. And I strongly urge you to check out the website and follow them on Instagram if you haven't already. There is so much misinformation about not only melanoma, but just general sun safety. So it is so great the work that she and Natalie and the team are doing there. And if you fancy chatting more beauty, you can find me on Instagram at Beauty Island Podcast or my uh, other one, other account is at Brittany Beauty BTS. Or you can send me an email, beautyislandpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. And until next time, bye bye.